Quick Goal, the official goal of soccer, presents Quick Chat, a quick-hitting interview series with some of the top people from around the soccer world. We discover how coaches got to their position and advice they give to a younger self. Welcome to Quick Chat. Okay, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, and welcome to our latest Quick Goal podcast. Today's guest has been uh, coaching in the MLS at the professional level and also played at the professional level. Former Red Bull goalkeeping coach and current RSL goalkeeping coach, Todd Hofford. Welcome, Todd. Thanks, John. Appreciate you having me on today. Oh, our pleasure to have you. Thanks for taking the time. Um, let's kick off with, uh, we'll get straight into your coaching pathway and how you got to where you are today. So starting back at your college and going right through. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long journey uh, to kind of get to uh, the present day, but it, it all started back in the, the early 90s. I attended Hartwood College uh, as a player. And at the time, our, our coach was Jim Lennox. Uh, he gave me a little bit of the coaching bug. He was the guy that was coordinating all the, the licensing courses for, for U.S. soccer at the time. So he was a, a big influence on me on the field of kind of putting that bug in, in my my brain a little bit. And I, I took one of his classes. He actually offered a coaching course uh, at Hartwick. So I took one of those courses, really, really enjoyed it. Um, then during the summer times, I was, you know, doing the, the camp circuit uh, through actually, uh, I got my start with a, a gentleman you also know, Skip Roderick, uh, the head coach at Elizabethtown College. Did all his camps, uh, I think all four years of my, my summer, uh, as well as a bunch of others. And that kind of, you know, kept fueling my coaching bug a little bit. And started my own camps actually during that time, you know, in my hometown. Um, obviously, I was a goalkeeper. So I, I put together some goalkeeping camps in my hometown that really kind of fueled my, my coaching bug. And then I continued to play uh, at the professional level for about eight, nine years. And during that time, I was coaching at a variety of different colleges, uh, depending on what city I was in and just kept growing and just kept enjoying it more and more. My camp business got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I just kept enjoying that. And then the opportunity came, uh, after I was done, um, to get into the MLS and I coached at the New York Red Bull for a few years after that. Um, through a couple of acquaintances I had had through the years, I was asked to join the U.S. Youth National Team staff. So I did that for several years as well, while also continuing to coach in the college game and obviously did a lot of youth coaching, you know, in between with clubs, you know, with head coaching of some teams or director coaching, you know, that kind of thing with some of the youth clubs. And then I really, really enjoyed my time with the youth national teams because obviously you're dealing with the best of the best you know, across the, across the country with uh, a variety of different age groups. So I was doing anything from the U14s to the U20s on the goalkeeping side. And then several years ago, about four, four or five years ago, I had the opportunity to get back into the MLS at Real Salt Lake. So I kind of made the jump back, moved my family across country to Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, where that's where I currently am, you know, currently coaching. So and still have my camps, you know, 26, 27 years, whatever it is now. Uh, so I still have that opportunity to teach the, the younger, younger age groups, which I really, really enjoy because that's a totally different beast in the pro game. 
Excellent. So just go back to Jim Lennox real quick. Is there any, any coaching points that you learned with him that you continue to have to this day? Well, I think probably the, the biggest thing I learned with him was just patience as a coach. You know, patience and trying to figure out, uh, okay, this is the players that we have. How can we best utilize the players we have to play a system? that's probably the biggest thing that I had. And there's a lot of patience that goes into that. You know, it's, he would always, you know, talk about, you can't, you know, put a square peg in a round hole. You know, if you want to play a certain system, you have to have the players to play that system or it's going to fail probably miserably. So that's probably the biggest piece that, that I, that I learned from him. Obviously Skip as well, that you mentioned who I'm good friends with and done those camps along with you. Obviously, we, we, we've seen things that he did in the camp environment that he carried through on the college with his college team where he's still at. Yeah. Again, was there, was there points that he that you took along from him? The, the biggest things with him is Skip, he had such a massive camp presence, you know, and I think from the business side and how to keep things organized, because his camps were so ultra-organized all the time, and there was, you know, you knew what you were doing from this time to this time. And then from this time to this time, it was just very, very organized. So from, from an organizational standpoint, that was probably the biggest thing I took from Skip and just making sure when you're in the public eye, you know, you want to make sure everything is neat and tidy and organized and running on a time frame. So, and Skip was the master at that. Very true. Well, bubble gum, bubble gum helped. <laughs> bubble gum. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Moving on, Todd, your best coaching experience, um, and it could have been way back when you started or it could be up to date today, and why was that? Why was your best? It's tough to pick just one. Um, you know, I've, I, I've, I've, if I think about this long and hard, I probably can think of a one-week span uh, as opposed to one particular instance. And I look back at my first year at Red Bull, I was part of, um, you know, I, I'm thrust into New York Red Bull about three, four months into the season. Uh, and about a month or so after I arrived, I was asked to be part of the MLS All-Star team staff. So here we are. I'm, I'm, you know, only a month or two into my MLS coaching career. And now I'm coaching the MLS All-Stars against Manchester United. So that in itself was an incredible experience, you know, packed house, Red Bull arena, you know, in the stadium that I'm currently coaching in against, you know, one of the biggest clubs in the world, literally the next morning, I'm on a flight to Arsenal to London, England. So Red Bull was part of the Emirates cup at that time. So on a Tuesday night, I'm coaching MLS all-stars against Manchester United Saturday and Sunday. I'm coaching New York Red Bull against um, PS, I'm sorry, um, Paris Saint-Germain and on the Saturday and on the Sunday Arsenal. So for me, that was, that, I don't know if there's a week that I'm going to be able to replicate that unless somehow I'm, I go into the premiership or something like that, or, or coaching a world cup. But for me at this point of, of my career, that was a one week span that was just, you know, once in a lifetime experience. I see you dropping a little hint there to all the premiership clubs that you have experience in the premiership. Yeah, that'd, that'd be nice. I wish I, you know, I had the opportunity to coach a couple against the Premiership clubs, but boy, that would be, a, I think, another dream, you know, to, uh, to coach in the Premiership. But that, that's a completely different beast than, than where I'm at at the moment. Absolutely. 
Moving on then to your, your most uh, challenging experience and or, or several if you have if you have more than one and what did you learn from those experiences um again it's, it's tough to to pick just one i mean i think anytime you have as a coach anytime you have a conversation that's a difficult conversation where it's maybe it's a player that you're going to be sitting they're not going to be participating in or they got cut from the, the team or or whatever those difficult conversations are always the most difficult things for me if I look back in, in one instance there was a, a player that that I had years ago that from a physical standpoint we could tell there was something going on uh, and at the time we didn't really know uh, as we really started to monitor we we figured out that this particular individual had an eating disorder and soccer kind of went by the wayside and it was all about health and it was all about their life and trying to figure out, okay, what exactly is going on, you know, with this particular individual. And that was a difficult conversation because it was something that that person didn't believe at the time that there was an issue. So it was a matter of intervening, figuring out what was going on, convincing them that we needed to get them some help. Uh, and again, it was outside of soccer. It was, it was, it was an individual and it was a human element. And for me, that was, Something that I really took from that is, yes, soccer's great. You know, that's, that's kind of the, the catalyst that we, that we use our experiences in. But at the end of the day, we're all humans and we want to try to treat each other accordingly. So there has to be that human element at some point, you know, and it's not just soccer, 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 and I'm a coach and you're a player. You know, we're individuals and I'm helping to guide you and, and I'm, I, I, I want to make sure that I'm doing the right things for you as, a, as an individual. Excellent. Excellent. The, um, you've coached a number of players, both female and male, uh, over the years. Who would you say, and it could be, again, it could be a couple of players that you've coached, um, who would you say was the most promising and the one that you felt would make it to the next level? And, and you well, don't, it, it's not necessarily, you don't have yeah. any names if you don't want to, or, or you, you can give the names, obviously. Well, you know, I'll actually use one you know, that I'm actually working with right now. You know, I think he's probably the best example that has so much promise. But at the end of the day, we really don't know. You know, uh, David Ochoa, you know, we've got a 19-year-old goalkeeper at uh, RSL at the moment. He's been with the youth national teams his entire career, you know, from 14s all the way up. Uh, played in the U-20 World Cup. He's currently part of the Olympic team, the U-23s. And he has a really, really promising future, you know. But at the end of the day, we don't know. We don't know what the future lies for him. You know, if he continues on his path and he continues to grow, the sky's the limit for this kid. Uh, I know he's been, you know, in conversation with the full men's national team here with the U.S. Um, so, but that's one that, for me, it's a challenge, you know, because I want the best for this, this kid. And I want to do everything I possibly can to nurture him and to make sure that he is climbing the ladder so he has these opportunities down the road. So I think David's probably one that I've worked with that has the most promise. Uh, and, but again, it's, he's got the ability. He's got the talent. He's got the potential. How's he going to harness that potential and how's he going to continue to progress? Because at the end of the day, it's not what I can give him. It's what he's going to put into it. And he's got to be the one that's going to take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and do the, do the, the work day in and day out to achieve his dreams. 
So is, would you say that's a mindset that has to be acquired or has to be developed over time? I think it's definitely a mindset. You know, I think if you look at uh, any player that has played at the highest level, they all have a particular mindset that they are going to do whatever it takes to be the best. You know, I just listened to a thing with Roy Keane the other day. And he was, you know, talking about there was no, there was never a coach that had to motivate him to be a better player. It came from within. So that's something that I believe in. You know, if, if you're missing that attribute, probably going to be that one piece that's going to limit you and your, the, the level that you're going to play. Somebody like that Roy Keane, that Thierry Henry, who I've had the, the fortune to kind of be around. They're the players that they're not going to take no for an answer. They're going to be the ones that are always going to be on the training field. David shows little pieces of that uh, from time to time. Time will tell whether, you know, he grabs hold of it. Uh, but I'm hopeful that, that he'll eventually get to that point and, you know, play for Manchester United or play for Real Madrid or whatever, because I know those are your two clubs that are his dream. Awesome. Just, just staying on the goalkeepers for a quick minute after watching some of the games last night and obviously watching the MLS throughout the season uh current in probably in the current uh talking is tim melia for sporting kansas city last night and yep. it was amazing because i've seen him firsthand in in training and he is a top pro and then you have andre blake at philadelphia union when you're coaching with rsl and you see these guys in opposition against you do you do you look at them and say wow these guys are top of the game or what's your take on those guys I think they're both class goalkeepers, you know, and especially look at somebody like Tim Melia, you know, he is not your prototypical six foot four goalkeeper that a lot of people, you know, are dreaming about, you know, he's the one that I look at somebody like him. He maximizes every ounce of his physical ability and he is very, very difficult to beat. Andre Blake, totally different type of goalkeeper a little bit longer, a little bit leaner, uh, super, super agile. They're just different types of goalkeepers. And I think for us preparing for those, I don't look at it like when we're preparing to play a Kansas City or, or Philadelphia or any other team that's got a top-notch goalkeeper. I'm not scared of that goalkeeper. They all have weaknesses. They all have things that maybe they don't do as well. And it's, and it's kind of my job to figure out, okay, what are some of those weaknesses and how can we kind of play to those weaknesses? So that's something that, you know, it's always going to be difficult to do because they are two of the top goalkeepers in the entire league, you know, and anytime you're playing against a top goalkeeper, it's going to be difficult. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, in a pro game, they're always going to be top, top goalkeepers. So, but the two of them, I, I, I think, are, are, are very, very good. It's, it's enjoyable watching a Tim Melia. Uh, I'm o- I've always been a proponent of you don't have to be six foot four. As long as you play like you're six foot four, I don't care if you're five foot eight. So you've got to have that ability. I think Tim Melia last night proved he played like he was six foot four last night. You know, he's, he's labeled a six foot one. I'm not sure if he's exactly six foot one. He's six. <laughs> yeah. But a uh, class, class goalkeeper and powerful, very, very yeah. powerful. Yeah, like I say, he's he's been fantastic for them over the years. And and people say, why is he not in the national team? But that's another day's work. Yeah. Um, during your training, obviously you use a lot of equipment and your go-to items in, in training. 
Is is it effective for for the players, for the goalkeepers, especially to have those pieces of equipment that you put in front of them and that you use with them on a daily basis? Ah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I I, try, I I like my toys. I'm a toy guy. You know, I love to have different little toys. I love the dummies, the quick doll, the, the tom-toms. I love using those. It's, whether they're, they've got to get in and around them, uh, whether they got to deal with a cross and they're representing bodies, uh, whether they're just, from a visual standpoint, they're, they're nuisances. Uh, I'm a big one of, of the visual aspect, so I like to put things in front of them. So it's not just this blank canvas because that's not the way, that's not re what real is. You know, there's, there's always moving bodies in and around our goal mouth. So I like to have different things that they've got to be able to visually kind of look in and around that kind of thing. Um, I love the, the flats, the little round flats or the long flats. Um, we use a lot of the, the little mini hurdles. Uh, the speed ladders, you know, I, I really love all the different toys that we can have. The kickboards, we use the, the little kickbacks as well for some rebounding, um, the little flat um, kickboards. So, yeah, I, I love the toys. Uh, I, I love to bring them out. I know our goalkeepers really enjoy them as well. And it, it just it just adds to the training environment. It adds to the realism, so to speak, uh, of trying to recreate what's going to happen in, in a, on a game day. Gotcha. Advice for a younger Todd Hofford. What would you say or what would you tell yourself? Oh, man, two things right off the top of my head. One, I wish I would have been a referee. Because <laughs> uh, one, I think I would have had a much better appreciation for referees and what they go, go through. Plus, just to learn the rules, you know, a little bit better. You know, I, I definitely, I think my growth as, as a coach would have been enhanced if I would have been a referee for, for many, many years as a youth. Outside of that, the second thing, I would have definitely loved to get as many licenses as I possibly could at a younger age. You know, I didn't start getting my license until I was about 30 years old when I was finished my playing career. I wish I would have, you know, while I was in college, get some of the lower level ones and kind of progress from there. Um, you know, that's, those are the two things that I, I really wish I would have done a little bit better job at that. If I could go back in time, I would definitely say, look, get those two, get those two things done. Todd, just to finish out then, what else is going on in your life in regards to soccer and, uh, apart from RSL? Just, uh, my, my camp and clinic business that I run, uh, it's one-on-one -on -one goalkeeping. So that's the number one on the number one goalkeeping.com. I write. Uh, for the last 27 years, I've been running camps, clinics, uh, different events around the country and a couple other you know, countries in the world. So um, that kind of keeps me busy during my downtime. It also you know, allows me to get you know, hands on with uh, you know, a lot of goalkeepers and, and develop them. And uh, I, I miss that teaching element that I don't get in the, in the MLS, coaching the pro goalkeepers. So um, yeah, unfortunately with COVID, it's kind of been shut down at the moment, but hopefully that'll uh, resurface and the camps and clinics will be up and running sometime very, very soon. Excellent.